Oh, I didn't go far enough, did I? Is that it? Okay. Sorry about that. Um, and so it's good to be with you. And I, I, I thank you for your support of our association. Because of COVID, we've not been able to do a lot in 2020. And uh, so what, basically what we're going to do is try to do everything in 2021 that we plan to do in 2020 and try to do the training events and uh, help our churches. Uh, we do a lot of training normally. Uh, we do some small congregational training, how to minister in small congregations, how to reach people in small congregations, some of that kind of uh, uh, training that we do. We do VBS training every year for those churches who want to do that as well. So we do a lot of different things. But because of COVID and because we couldn't do a lot of things, uh, most of you may not know, but we sold some of the property we own. We own we own 26 acres down on Oak Hill Road, and we sold 15 of it because we were just not using it, except we were just mowing it. Um, and that left us basically with 10 acres or so. And uh, so we took that money that we bought or got from the land sale, and uh, we put it into different categories, missions, evangelism, um, church, and uh, leadership development. So we're going to be using that money over the next three years to help get our, our ministry more effective. But one of the things we did is we've been remodeling our facilities. Our buildings were built in 1983 and 1993, and they had not been remodeled since then. And so we were able to use some of the money. We do have a fellowship center, and a lot of folks don't always know this either, but we have a fellowship center. It'll easily seat um, about 150 a table. We have round tables and all that, and it's there for your use. Um, it's, uh, you know, like one night's use of that building is 50 bucks. You can't get that anywhere else. And we offer that also to churches, members who want to have a bridal shower, a wedding shower, a birthday party, or anything like that. All you have to do is have your church call for you and uh, and set that up. And again, that's just 50 bucks. So uh, it, those are some things. And now that we've got to remodel, it really looks nice. And I, uh, I encourage you, if you have a need for that kind of a facility, uh, some of our churches um, go out there and have picnics. Uh, we had a church there uh, this Friday night who did a bonfire and had a sleepover. Uh, but that's available also to our churches. And so I, I encourage you to be aware of that. And if that opportunity you need it comes up, don't hesitate to, to do it. Um, I've been in Florida all week. I wore a hundred, what do you call that? Uh, I wore the hundred uh, uh, sunscreen. So I'm, I don't look like I've been in Florida, but I was there uh, all this week. And I was amazed that, uh, you know, you go to Disney World and, um, when you get there, life is good. You know, uh, you don't have to worry about all the things that are going on in the world around us. You just go and sing songs, and it's a small world after all, and 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 just have a good time. We took our granddaughter there, and uh, we've been planning this since she was born five years ago. And so my wife said, when she's five, we're going. I said, okay. A little did we know we'd have to wear a mask all the time that we were there, but we had a good time. But I, I, I want us today to focus on John 15 in just a minute and talk a little bit about John 15 because I think one of the things that I, 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 I kind of notice around as I'm out with, in churches and when I'm out talking with people that um, there is a lot of uncertainty today. I mean, there's political uncertainty. There's economic uncertainty. Uh, there's spiritual uncertainty. 
There are just all kinds of uncertainty in our world in which we live today. And we, we, you know, you were just talking about in the song, he holds us fast. Uh, and I think sometimes it's hard for us to remember that when there's a lot of uncertainty around us. And, and so I want us to talk today about something that's kind of dear to my heart, and that is the secret of abundant life. The secret of abundant life. I'm going to hopefully walk you through what I believe will help us have a more abundant life. I find oftentimes when I talk to Christians, they're not living the abundant life. They're down, they're discouraged. I, I, even pastors, I, I have pastors who call me and they're really frustrated, you know, they're not sure what to do, they're, especially in the last year. Um, there's just this kind of uncertainty in our lives. And, and I don't believe God wants us to have that uncertainty. I think he, we recognize that there are going to be things that happen in our world that we have no control over. But that has nothing to do with our abundance of life in Christ. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and that you might have it abundantly. And so it's, it was never Jesus' intent for us to be down and discouraged all the time. We have those struggles. But he wanted us to live in a, a lifestyle that would bring some joy. Now, if I could say to you today, I could raise my hand over you and you would have joy from now on. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> or, or if I could, you know, do like some and give you a blessing, you know, wouldn't that be great? You'd be blessed uh, to the fullest measure. Some people, maybe if I could give you peace, that would be awesome as well. But I have no control over any of those. But Jesus does. Jesus wants us to have joy and blessedness. He wants us to have assurance. He wants us to have peace because that is his mindset. He wants us to live the abundant life. These things, John 15 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Today we're just going to kind of walk through John 15, through the first few verses. But before I do that, I need to say something and clarify something. The things I'm going to be talking about today, the, the steps that can help us to have an abundant life, are available to all of us. But we have to have one ingredient first before we can have the abundant life, and that is Jesus. Make sense? You know, it, it, you know to say, well, I will, I'm going to go through all these steps, but I personally don't know Jesus is a waste of your energy. Because you can't have it without Jesus first. Now, I, 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 I can't assume that all of us in here know Jesus. So let me just remind us for those who uh, don't know, or maybe for a reminder to those who do know, it's as simple as ABC. We just got to simply admit that we're a sinner. I do things wrong, and we all do. Um, in, the, in the biblical times, when they would have an archery contest, um, and, and, you know, archery has become popular again in our, in our country. But in those days, when they would have archery contests, uh, the archer would shoot, shoot his arrow. And, of course, most of the time they would hit it. But if they missed the target completely, in other words, they didn't even, you know, I, I remember once the first time I picked up a bow and arrow. And I, I, and I shot, and I never did hit that thing, you know. Uh, well, the reality is, is that in those days, the person who was judging would say, Sin. You miss it again. 
sin. What did that mean? It meant you missed the target. It's that simple. You missed the target. We, without Jesus, have missed the target. We live our lives and we cause ourselves to do things that we know are wrong, but we do them anyway. I just have to admit to that. And then he says, I just have to believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died for my sins. And he went to the cross. He wasn't forced to go. He went willingly so he could give you and I eternal life. And so I have to admit that I'm a sinner. I have to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died for my sins. And then I have to confess that. See, I have to confess that Jesus is Lord. I have to confess that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And I have to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. Now that's where it begins for all of us. And the reality today is that if you don't know Jesus personally, if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, today's the day to do that. Now, it's, you know, we, we try to make it in some big deal, but it's a hard issue. It's a moment in, in time where I personally, you personally, we all personally, from our hearts, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I know I've dis disappointed you. I know I need forgiveness for my sins. Please forgive me my sins. We say, let's do that prayer. Well, it, it, it's not even a verbal prayer necessarily. It's a heart issue. I have to admit that I need him. I have to ask him to come into my life. And then I have to pursue him. Now, that's where we come to the abundant secret or the secrets of abundant life. Let, let's look at John 15 verses 1 through 5 as I read these to you. He says, "I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit." You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. But abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abide in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When I moved to Indiana... <clears throat> Uh, I have to give you a little history. I, I went to Oakland City College when it was college. Now it's Oakland City University. Went to Oakland City uh, back uh, back when people had some cars. Um, and uh, I um, I met my wife. She's from Boonville, Indiana. Now I'm originally from St. Louis, and and so uh, I met her and I discovered you know uh, between Oakland City College and Boonville, small town USA. And, and so um, we got married after college, and, um, and then we went off to seminary in Louisville, and, and I took her to St. Louis. And we lived in St. Louis for 16 years during that time. Well, when we moved back to Indiana, I wanted some gooseberry bushes. Growing up, we had gooseberry, and we had gooseberry pie. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say gooseberry? Okay, some of, some of the younger ones don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm training my granddaughter at five how to pick gooseberries. But I have, and so I went and I looked everywhere. I finally found a guy in Mount Vernon 
who would sell me gooseberry bushes. And so I went and got me three gooseberry bushes. I was so excited. And so I planted them in my backyard. Good place for sunshine and rain. And they grew big. And they grew big every year. But he told me, he said, now when you plant these, these gooseberries will not bear fruit for a few years. Okay. Well, year one went by, no fruit. Year two, no fruit. Three, four. Finally, on the fifth year, I got some fruit. About a handful. About like this. Almost enough to make a pie. Well, I, I decide, okay, I, I'm going to take, you know, I've been taught all my life, if you prune, that'll help the thing. And so that year I pruned it. I pruned it back. And sure enough, the next year I had enough for a pie. So I thought, well, let's do that again. So I pruned it a little bit more the next year. Well, now we've lived in our house uh, 12 years. Uh, I got, you ready for this? Five gooseberry pies out of this one this year. I mean, it was awesome. But, you know, it, it took a little bit of work to get to that point. Well, God is the same way. God is wanting to work in our lives to give us that abundant life. And he does it sometimes even through the pruning process. You and I at times need to get refined a little bit. And so he prunes us back a little bit. He may prune, prune us back in our patience or the lack of it. You know, he may prune us back in our relationship with others or how we love people. You know, he does this to help us become more like him. And so today, we're going to look at these, these characteristics. Now, he said here in this passage, and we're going to look at it uh, in a unique way, so just bear with me because it'll all make sense, I think, at the end. He says, He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Now, you know, if... If I had gone six years or seven years without fruit, I don't think those bushes would still be there. You know, there's just a certain point. Jesus did the same thing. He walked up on a fig, you know, tree and it didn't bear and he, he cursed it. Or he tells the parable about the man who came out to get some figs off his fig tree and there was no figs. And, and he says, tear it down, cut it down, get rid of it. And the, the gardener says, no, no, let's give it a little more time. And so he gives it another year. You know, there is that mindset that at some point, if we're not bearing fruit, we get pruned away. In fact, it says that we prune for better fruit, but we also pull away the dead that doesn't do much. I was out looking at my gooseberry bush that day with my granddaughter. We were talking about, you know, how, how it's changing with the fall, and, and, um, and it's ugly looking right now. And, um, and all the leaves have fallen off of it, and, and stickers are still there. By the way, you, those of you back in the back here, gooseberries they got really bad thorns uh, but you know the the reality is is that uh, I said to her you know I may have to do a little pruning on it because it's, it's just the way it is and I noticed that there were some there were some when I was picking this year there were some branches didn't have anything I just pulled them out I got rid of them well that's the same thing with God God is pruning us so we can bear fruit now let me explain to you how we bear fruit no, the normal attitude is that, well, if you bear fruit, you win people to Jesus. Okay? And that is a way in which we can bear fruit, is to in introduce people to Jesus. You and I don't win anybody. You know, they say, be a soul winner. I don't, I don't win any, any souls. I simply tell people about what Jesus is doing in my life. Now, here's the struggle. 
in America today, I was reading yesterday on the plane coming home the statistics for the last 20 years in Southern Baptist life. Our church, uh, church growth has gone way down. Our church baptisms have gone way down. You know, our church membership has gone way down. The cost to run a church has gone skyrocketing. Isn't that amazing? And I think to myself, wait a minute. Something's wrong. Well, what's wrong is, is that we are not sharing our faith enough to bear the fruit. Because that's one way we bear fruit. Share our faith. It's not a complicated formula. It's simply telling one person how God has impacted your life. Now, here's what bothers me. I'm afraid that there are some Christians who God's not impacting their life. That's why they don't share it. But he needs to be impacting our life. Now, now there are three other ways that we can bear fruit. Keep in mind that sharing our faith to people so they can come to know Jesus Christ, that's one way. But we can also share with those in need. Now, I'm not talking about your, your, your friend, you know, your best friend. I'm not talking about uh, a family member. I'm talking about just someone out there in our community, maybe lives next door to you, may live down the street from you, may work with you, that just needs some help. Because caring for people, Jesus made that very clear, is a roadway to them knowing him. I never forget, there was a lady in my church back in St. Louis years ago, and she said, I've got this neighbor, and she's mean. I said, really? I said, well, how's she mean? She said, every time I go try to tell her that she needs to go to church, she shuts the door on me. Huh. I said, well, her response is, what should I do? I said, well, let me tell you what I think you ought to do. Uh, I happen to know this lady loved to bake. And, and she was really known for her cherry pies. And so I said to her, when, when are you going to bake a cherry pie? She said, well, I might bake one this week. I said, well, bake two. She said, really? Okay. I said, just bake two. Take one over to your neighbor's house. Knock on the door. Don't say anything. Just put the pie out in front. Because she said her neighbor would always keep the door shut. And so the neighbor came, peeked through the door, the little hole, you know, saw a pie. She opened her door. She said, can I help you? Yeah, I'm your neighbor. I just wanted to bring you a pie. Really? And all of a sudden, that pie created a conversation. And they introduced each other, one another, talked about their kids, all that, even though they've been neighbors for years. And, and the lady didn't say one time, church. Just gave her a pie. She handed the lady the pie, and the lady, this is the truth. The lady said to her, I guess I'll be at your church Sunday. She said, excuse me? Well, how else am I going to give you the pie pan back? Well, you could walk across the yard and hand it to me. I mean, but sure enough, that lady showed up the next Sunday at our church. Came to know Christ within a month. Brought her husband. He came to know Christ. Their children came to know Christ. They began to bring family members who came to know Christ. And all of it started over a piece of pie. We can 
just do the fruit bearing by doing good deeds, helping people. Another way that we can bear fruit is by developing our own Christ-like character. Because you know what? When people notice that I'm different, you know, I've, I've seen these people who come to know Jesus in their adult life and, and, and people say, man, that guy's not the same guy he used to be. That's right. He's changed inside. And he's developing that Christ-like character in, in Galatians that he talks about. Love and joy and peace and patience. And because he's developing that lifestyle, that, that lifestyle of character in him, it's changing him and people notice it. And it leads them to Jesus. Or last but not least, praising God and giving thanks. When we praise God, He blesses us. Now, He may not give you a new car. He may not give you a lot of money. He may not give you a new house. But He will bless you in the world of the people you live around. So, so the first thing He says here, we, we are to be connected to Jesus in order to bear fruit. That makes sense. Bear fruit. Lead people to Christ. In other words, share Christ. Share it with those in need. Develop our Christ-like character. Praise God and give thanks for who, all the things He does for us. Because when we start living that kind of a life, it changes who we are. Now, notice what it says here. If you want to have the benefits of bearing such fruit, the next thing you have to do is abide in Christ. Look what he says here, back on the verses. He says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. So the secret of living an abundant life is bearing fruit. The secret of, of bearing fruit is abiding. Let me explain abiding. In fact, in, fact, in uh, John 15, verses 4 through 10, he uses the word abide 10 times. 10 times. And, and, the, and the concept of abide here is to dwell with. To dwell with. It, it reminds me of Revelation 3.20 when Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone will open a door and let me in, I will, sep, I will sup with them. The, the idea is I'm going to dwell with you. We're going to hang out together from now on. We're going to be friends. That's what abiding is all about. Walking daily in a friendship relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that abiding in you, the bearing fruit will be difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. So the secret of, uh, of abundant life is bearing fruit. The secret to bearing fruit is abiding. And the secret of abiding is obeying. In John 15, 10, he says, By keeping his commands, we abide in his love. He says in John 15, 14, By keeping his commands, we will be his friends. He says in 1 John 3, 24, By keeping his commandments, we abide in him. I think this is where the water hits the wheel in most of our lives. We got our own agenda sometimes. And we don't want to obey Jesus. I don't know how many times I've had people say, well, I, I would uh, ask Jesus into my heart, but I'm afraid what he might have me do. Had a lady one time say to me, well, I'd love to accept Jesus, but I, I, I can't. I said, why can't you? She says, 
Well, if I do, I'll have to give up. She started listening to all these things she determined she had to give up. I said, I'm not going to ask you to give up anything. I'm simply asking you to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, if he happens to come along and ask you to change something, that's between you and him. Radical thought. Sure enough, six months later, she came to me and said, I stopped doing all those things. Really? Yeah. She said, I, I was sitting in a bar with some friends, and we were drinking, and all of a sudden, God just said, do you really need this? And I said, no. And I left. I mean, the reality is that obeying God isn't because you know, a lot of times people look around and think, well, you know, you Christians don't do anything fun. You never have anything that's good. You're always negative. Well, no, that shouldn't be true. But that's how we're perceived, isn't it? And so, you know, I'm always amazed. At the, you know, I was when I was a young youth pastor, I mean, like a long time ago, I had long hair. Okay? And I, we were having a revival at our church, and I was sitting on the about the middle row of the of the I'll never forget the left side by the aisle because I was the worship leader as well as the youth minister. And this guy who was doing the revival says, if you got hair touching your ears, you're going to hell. Oh, everybody just burst out laughing. You know, I kind of. No, what we need to be doing is obeying God for us. We don't need to be telling other people how to obey God. We just need to be obeying God. God will work in their heart too. But we just tend to not want to obey. I had a guy say, you know, I know if I become a Christian, I'm going to be in Africa. I can go to Africa and be a missionary. Well, he he did become a Christian, and he's never gone to Africa. You know what I'm saying? We just have to obey God where we are, where, what God wants us to do. Now, there are times in my life, I have to admit, that God has asked me to do something I didn't do. And I felt miserable afterwards. In fact, there have been times when I tried to repeat the situation so that I can maybe be obedient. It don't work that way. When God asks us to do something, he has something in mind for us to do. And we ought to obey him. So the secret of abundant life is bearing fruit. The secret of bearing fruit is abiding. The secret to abiding is obeying him. The secret of obeying him is loving him. Now, I want you to think with me for a minute. We can obey because we have to. Uh, I, I know growing up, there were times that I knew I had to do certain things or I would get in trouble with mom and dad. Okay. And that happened a lot, by the way. We can obey because we need to, you know, in order to get what we want. We may obey. You know, there were times I obeyed my mom and dad, knowing the the value of that in the future. Didn't want to do it, but I did it because I knew it was going to benefit. We can obey because we want to. Now let me show you this example. If if we are doing something out of love, let me give you this example. Hebrews ten twenty five. 
In Hebrews 10.25, it says, Neglect not the assembling of yourselves together as some do. That means don't skip church. You know, spend time with Jesus and his people. Now, I can, I can, um, if I do it out of obedience but no love, I might go every Christmas and Easter. You with me? You know, well, God wants me to go to church, so I'm going to go Christmas and Easter. Or I might say, well, I might go occasionally, more than Christmas and Easter. You know, now, if I love God and I want to be obedient to Him, what ought to be motivating me is how will this bless Him and He will bless me. I don't do it for the blessing. I do it to bless Him. I love Jesus. I want to be around Jesus. I want to be around Jesus' people. Neglect not the assembling of ourselves together. He tells us not to do that. That's an obedient act. He's saying, obey me. If I do it out of love, I will do it often. I mean, I grew up. I grew up in a time and age when, you remember when the, some of you will remember the Sunday school pins? You get a perfect pin every year. I had all the way down to here. You know, I, I was, you know, none of my friends cared anything about that, but I had them because my mom made me go to church. I went to Sunday school. I went to church. I went to Wednesday night. I went to Sunday night. And the doors were open. I was there. I was born at 1015 on Wednesday, and I was in church the next Sunday. Now, I was being obedient, but I wasn't motivated by that. It wasn't until I became an adult that I understood that because I love Jesus, I want to be in church with his people. He says, in order to have the secret of obedience, in order to have the secret of obedience, it requires loving. The secret, though, of loving is knowing him. Now, this should be self-evident. If I married my wife, I've been married my wife 45 years. If I married my wife and we went on a honeymoon and we got back on the honeymoon and I never talked to her again. We lived in the same house. She had a bedroom. I had a bedroom. We never talked again. That's not true, by the way. But if that were true, I would really wouldn't be spending a whole lot of time knowing her, would I? But I'll tell you what I do know. When I graduated from Oakland City, my, I had a job as a music director at a church in Boonville, and I worked at the uh, uh, Kmart on St. Joe Avenue. Okay, um, I would go to work at 8 a.m. I would drive to St. Joe Avenue. I'd work there anywhere most times till 8 in the evening. Christmas time, it'd be even later than that. But as soon as I got off, I drove from St. Joe Avenue all the way to Boonville to spend time with her until her mother told me I had to go. I wanted to be around her. I wanted to spend time with her. This week we were in Disney World. With all, we had our whole family. And my wife said to me yesterday, she said, you know, we haven't got to really spend any time together. I said, no, we've been running around taking care of everybody else. Even now we have to spend time together. First anniversary after we got married. I thought I'd be really cool. I got a dozen roses. I brought them home. 
She was at work. I got home before her. I placed them in a vase, and I laid them out on the dining room table, and I waited to see what she would do. She came in. She looked at the flowers, said nothing, moved on. Later that evening, I figured out something was wrong. I said, honey, did you not like the flowers? No. Really? I thought that was the cool thing to do. Well, if you knew me, and if you listened to me, you would know I don't like roses. What flowers did we have at our wedding? Good question. I said, carnations. Yes. You know, I never brought her roses again. You see, if I want to know somebody and really know them well, I've got to spend time with them. I've got to find out what they like, what they don't like. That's part of the process of knowing somebody. You know, I can say, well, I know Joe. He lives on down the street here. Well, that doesn't mean what this is talking about. That's not what we're doing here. We're talking about knowing somebody intimately, deeply. And Jesus wants us to know him that way. The more we know Jesus, the more we're going to love him. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the, the thing you got to keep in mind. To, the secret of knowing Jesus is reading his word. How simple that is. That ought to be self-evident too. You see, the reality is that God has shown through His Son Jesus how much He loves us that He laid down His life for us. For you. If you had been the only one, He would have done it anyway. He did it for you. The more we read the Word of God the more we know Jesus. Now, I, I say that knowing that the uh, North American Mission Board has uh, concluded that less than 3% of Christians read their Bible between Sunday to Sunday. I've had staff members when I was in the church years ago, one of my staff that I supervised, that said, well, I, I don't read the Bible except on Sunday morning. What? You're going to lead a church of people to love Jesus, and you don't even read his word? I'm always amazed. I, my son-in-law, um, I, I, I give him books every once in a while. I'm, I almost quit doing it because he never reads them. Um, but I'm always amazed. He says, I don't like to read. But I'm always amazed. He knows all the stats for every sports team in the world. How do you get that information? Does it come to him while he's asleep? No. It comes to him because he takes the time to get to know the information. That's what reading God's Word is all about. Getting to know the information. I started reading the Word of God. I have to be honest with you. I used to read the Word of God sporadically. Most of the time it was when I was preparing for something. This is years ago. And when I turned 30, uh, I became... Uh, the executive pastor of a church that had 5,000 members. And and I sat one day in my office, and I thought, you know what? I can't do this job without some changes in me. 
And one of the changes I decided was I was going to read the Bible every day. I'm not talking about my prep time. I'm just talking about just reading the Bible. I went down to a local bookstore and bought me one of those read through the Bible Bibles. I brought it home. I got me a nice one, leather bound, because I, I, I want to be committed to this and use, make it nice. So I got this Bible and I started reading it. That was six, uh, 38 years ago. I still read every day. It's amazing what happens. There are times when I'm reading the Bible and, and I know what's coming. You know, I've read it enough that I know what the next story is going to be or the next event's going to be or the next situation is going to be. But then there are also times when I'm reading the Bible and I'll say, I never saw that before. Where did that come from? Reading the Bible every day is important to your relationship with Christ. So here's my story. By reading the Bible daily, we get to know Jesus. By knowing Jesus, we come to love him. By loving, we, we come to be obedient to him. By being obedient, we come to abide in him. By abiding, we come to bear fruit. And by bearing fruit, we will experience the abundant life. I wish that every Christian would take seriously those words. And simply begin the process. I'm going to read his word every day. I'm going to know him better. I'm going to learn to love him more. And ask Jesus to help me to love him more. I like the guy you know, in the scripture said, I believe but I help me with my unbelief. Well, I love you, Lord, but help me to love you more. By loving him, I'm going to obey him. I've got two daughters. They're grown. And um, they still call me. Dad, I got a problem. Okay. Usually it's a relationship or money. It's one of those two. Actually, the truth is, if they want money, they call their mom. But, uh, you know, in, in just this year, in this COVID thing, I've got a daughter who lives in Houston, Texas. i got one here in Evansville. And both of them have called me with a crisis in their life. And, 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 I, and I say to them, and I know it sounds so simple, I just simply say, you've grown up knowing Jesus. You've grown up in church. You've grown up in the Word of God. Trust Him with that. Just trust Him. But you don't understand, Dad. Well, you'd be surprised what I understand. Just trust him. It's always amazing to me because in about a week or two, maybe a month later, they'll come back and say, you won't believe what happened. The reality is, is that when we trust him, when we're obedient to him, and we live out our lives the way he wants us to live out our lives, he will live and dwell in us and abide in us and make us more of who he wants us to be. And then we'll bear that fruit. And I'll tell you what, when you bear fruit, whether it's your own personal character or helping a person in need or sharing your faith with somebody, there's nothing more exciting than that. 
my question to you today is this. Are you experiencing the abundant life? If you say some days yes, some days no, then I'm going to ask you to go back and look at this pattern in your own life and ask yourself, where am I missing the boat? Where am I letting it break down? Is it the fact I don't read the Word of God? Is it the fact that I don't obey Jesus' Word? Is it that I, that I, I, what is it? I find most of the time it starts with the reading, and if it breaks down again, it usually is at obedience. That's the challenge. When we become more in tune to what God's already asked us to do, and we begin to do it more faithfully, we will see abundant life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and for this congregation. Thank you for coming and being here today, Lord. Uh, speak to the hearts, to your Holy Spirit, to all of us. Give us insight to what it is you want us to know. And we'll give you praise for that. Lord, be with this congregation as it continues each year and each day, each week. Be of Kurt. Lord, I love that guy. Pray that you just bless him as he leads this congregation. I pray, Lord, that you would make us have more abundant lives because we're being obedient to you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.